0: Brian. Yeah, talking to Brian is worse than (laughs) Not gonna happen, Brian. Nope. Hey, uh, we've been in the middle of a series talking about uh, this topic of friendship. And as much as we maybe had come to the discussion hoping that uh, this series would help us pick better friends, uh, what we're really discovering is is that God's doing a work in our life to make us uh, better friends. And if you were here the first week, you you heard us uh, talk about the friendship between two guys by the name of Jonathan and David. And an incredibly remarkable friendship in which Jonathan began to sense in the life of his friend David that God had a plan for him, and the plan was to make David king. The thing that makes this so powerful is Jonathan was the one that was in line to be king of Israel. And so in the process of looking at his friend and saying, you know what, if I, if I get my best sense of what God is doing in David's life, it's for him to be king and not for me. And he literally says, look, here's the deal. If that's what God's doing in you, then the best thing I can do is collaborate and cooperate with that to the point that Jonathan actually goes to his friend and says, look, this I, I just sense this is what God's doing with you. You need to be king, and I will be your number two. Uh, an unbelievably powerful act of friendship because Jonathan had the capacity to see his friend through spiritual eyes and not through his human eyes. And then last week we came back and talked about this idea that said uh, either one of two things is going to happen in your friendships either your friends are going to change and determine your destination in other words their influence and what they do on you is going to decide how and where your life ends up or the other possibility is is that you determine your destination you say this is where my life's going this is what my life's going to be about and if you set your destination it will suddenly begin to determine who your friends are and that if you as a christ follower say look here's my thing I I may not do anything else quite right in my life, but I am going to serve Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of Him. Then the suggestion was, as you pursue the cross, as you chase the cross, your most intimate circle of friends, those who are closest to you, will have to share that value. They will be people who are just as dedicated, just as committed to following Jesus as you are. You, You may have a whole bunch of friends who aren't on board and haven't done that, but they will be at different levels of friendship and your most intimate circle of friends will be those who are committed uh, to following Jesus like you. Today, we're gonna kind of take both of those messages and take it further and say, all right, if this is about seeing what God is doing in my friend's life, and then the friends that are with me kind of helping me on that journey, uh, what does that look like? And here's the interesting thing. My guess is that every one of us in the room uh, would be able to point back to a moment and say, you know what, Uh, there is a key pivotal moment in my life where one of my friends pushed into my life they nudged me in a direction at exactly the right moment they said the thing that i needed to hear and because they pushed into my life my life changed they encouraged me to go on that job interview i thought you know what i'm not qualified and my friend said no 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 just go try and i got the job and i mean it just it 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 just changed what was going on in my life and it's because my friend said the right thing at the right time my my friend encouraged me to go on that date (laughs) and i ended up marrying him i i I, I almost turned him down Uh, There was a moment I was getting ready to do something I shouldn't do, something that probably would have caused me regret. And my friend stood in that moment and said, please, please don't go there, don't do that, and kinda pushed me away, nudged me back on the right course. And I look back now and I go, oh, if I had done that, if my friend hadn't intervened in that moment, I would have so much regret right now. And almost everyone could tell a story when a friend, at exactly the moment we need them, pushed into our lives and our lives were deeply affected. Or we've got the other side. In a moment when I needed my friend to push, nobody said anything, nobody encouraged, or maybe they pushed the wrong direction. Uh, they got me to go ahead and try those cigarettes. They, they got me going into a lifestyle and things that I, I regret because my friend pushed the wrong way. And so we're just gonna talk about the power of the push in your lives. I, I've got a moment in which um, in my life, A little gal who was a friend of Lisa's uh, went up to her and said, hey, you ought to date that Lynn guy. And uh, Lisa said, well, well, no, Uh, he asked me out a while back and I turned him down. (sighs) And uh, she said, I I don't think he'll ever ask me out again. And she goes, well, no, 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 no. If he asked you out again, would you go out with him? And she said, well, yeah, I guess I would. Uh, she then ran over to me uh, as I was leaving church that Sunday and said, Lisa Billings is dying to go out with you. <laughs> now, Lisa says that she totally overblew that moment. I choose to believe her friend was being transparent uh, in that moment. And so literally five minutes later, I walked up to Lisa and said, hey, uh, would you ever consider going out again? We ended up married. A moment in which a friend nudging her, and you go, I wonder how different my life would be uh, if that friend hadn't nudged that moment, hadn't seen Lisa and me and said, you know what, those two those two would be good together. And so we're just going to talk about this power of the nudge, this power of being the friend who says the right thing in the right moment to our friends and pushes them in the right direction. Matter of fact, I think there's a passage of Scripture that talks about this very moment. So grab your Bibles uh, this morning and go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. And if you're not real familiar, if you go all the way to the back of your Bible, start working to the left, you're going to find this book of Hebrews. It's not very far in. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And I believe an interesting passage that really, really kind of challenges us to take our friendship, to take the conversations within our friendship to a completely different level uh, than many of us uh, today are comfortable doing. And yet, uh, I think Scripture is going to teach us today that the most critical moment of friendship is to stand in that moment when our friend is making decisions in their life and in that moment to leverage our friendship to nudge them, to push them in the right direction. And maybe, maybe, maybe forever change the trajectory of our friends' lives. So here we go. It's Hebrews uh, chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 24. Uh, Here's what it says. And let us consider. Let's think about this. Don't 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 let this just kind of sneak up on you. Matter of fact, you need to be kind of looking ahead and thinking strategically. How am I going to leverage my friendship into the life of my friend? How am I going to know the right moment? How am I going to seize the opportunity? Let's do this for the uh, greatest benefit. So let us uh, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How, How do we... Push our friend to do the thing they ought to do, the right thing uh, to do. Let us not give up meeting together as the some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see uh, the day approaching. So I love this. Says, look, this isn't something that you just let happen. This is something that you do tactically. You and I, and I think it's interesting, guys, and we've cut back to this over and over again, so I don't want you to miss the moment, that God is asking us to start viewing our friends in light of what God is doing in their lives and then to be a part of that mission within their lives. And he's saying, look, how do I strategically engage my friend? How do I look for the most opportune moments in the life to speak into my friend's life, to nudge them in the right direction, that they would be closer to God and further along uh, in their walk with Jesus. How do I do that? And then it comes back and says, okay, let us consider how we may spur. Spur. Now think about this for a minute. I mean, picture in your mind, when you spur an animal, I mean, you're that's, that's not necessarily a comfortable moment for the animal, okay? Uh, but the, the intent is, I've gotta, I, we gotta get moving and we've gotta get moving in the right direction. Now, here's the interesting thing. You and I, when we hear spur, we think of uh, the more Western spur. But you realize in this culture, they didn't have uh, the type of spurs that you and I most often think about. More likely than not, when it says this, it's actually more of a goad. And so he's saying, hey, let us strategically think about how we could goad our friends to go in the right way. And how a farmer would use a goad is you'd be behind a plow, uh, and the oxen and when the oxen weren't moving you just kind of in the calf uh, not the most pleasant uh, moment but you'd get the oxen uh, moving in the right direction how cool is this because I'm just going to tell you no one needs to tell me to stab my friends Okay, but how cool is it that God encourages us to do it Okay, so here's what I need I need a volunteer I need a volunteer All right, come on dude you're a good man okay all right, so if you just stand here, no, no, face that way, I'm going to go, no, I'm just teasing, I'm not going to go at you, all right, because I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily saying, I, I think it's just saying, look, how do you and I get our friends going in the right direction? How do we push into that? How do we spur into their lives to try to get them moving in the direction that they ought to be moving in? And I'm just going to suggest again, guys, that at the end of the day, this is about moving our friends closer to Jesus Christ. That's, that's what uh, this is all about. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to move you closer to Jesus, okay? So you're going to come over here, okay? And I'm going I'm I'm to move you closer, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to, like, mildly resist, okay? Maybe medium resist, okay? But, but only that, because if you do more than medium resist, one of us is going to get hurt, and I'm thinking it's me, okay? So... <laughs> So just, you know, kind of medium resist, okay? All right, so here's the deal. So Scripture says, look, you and I need to be strategizing. We need to be thinking about this. This isn't something we do accidentally. You and I need to be looking for these opportunities to push our friends toward the cross. And you get that as we do that, we're probably going to run up against some resistance by our friend. It may not be the most comfortable thing going on in their lives. And they're going to push back on us They're just saying, look, whatever you've got to do tactically to kind of help your friend get to the cross, you do that, okay, that this, this is the best thing you can do for your friend, okay, to tactically push, spur into their lives. Thank you, man, for doing that. You were unbelievable, okay, you're good. Hey, what's your name? Tyler. Tyler, I'm Lynn, we're friends, okay, it's a friendship series, okay, all right, all right, Very cool. So how do you do that? How do you leverage your friendship so that you are spurring your friend on to love and good deeds, to doing what they ought to do in the moment that they ought to do it? How do you do that? And I'm going to suggest two things uh, for us today. And the first push, the first push into life for our friends is when you and I say what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Guys, I'm just going to say out loud to you that I believe one of the biggest misses in our culture right now is that we define friendship by support. And and, and often you'll hear people say, look, 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 I just want my family members to support me. I, I just want my friends to support me in my decisions. And can I suggest to you that sometimes the most unfriendly thing you can do, the worst thing that you can do in a friend's life is support them. When they're doing something they have no business doing. And that while they're making a mistake that later on in their life is going to lead to regret, that later on in their life there's going to be devastated lives, and you're going, "Woo! I'm supporting you, baby. Go. That it is actually unfriendly. Matter of fact, I believe it may be the worst thing you can do as a friend. Your friend comes to you and says, hey, uh, look, my marriage is struggling, and uh, I I just don't feel fulfilled in the relationship anymore, and I got a secretary, and uh, she's been flirting, and I've been kind of flirting back, and I'm just planning uh, to go away this weekend, and if my wife calls, I just want you to tell her I'm on a business trip, and I'm just telling you, if you're a friend, and you go, you know what, Uh, well, I'm your friend, so I I guess I'll back you. You are a stinking, lousy friend. Because the reality is, and what you know in your heart, is that that is not the right thing to do. That by all rights in a few months, this is going to lead to absolute calamity within your friend's life. There are children whose lives will be devastated by this decision. And for you to go, hey, I, I'm supporting you. See, sometimes the best thing you do as a friend is look at your friend and say, that's a stupid idea. That's the worst possible decision you could make right now. And I will not help you do something that will cause harm and ruin for your life because I'm your friend. You got a friend and in the frustration and exacerbation of raising children, they're just overreacting and when they discipline, it's just completely off the hook. And in that moment, you go, well, you know, hey, your kid deserves it. Go for it. And you run silent and don't say anything to your friend. You are not a friend. What your friend needs that in that moment is a nudge in the right direction. And your silence, guys, or your support is actually betrayal. Betrayal. You got a friend that's on drugs and they go, look, you know, hey, here's the thing. I, you know, I've messed my life up and I don't have anywhere to live. And I was just wondering if I could come live at your home. You know what the right answer is? No. No. I'm not going to, while you're still on drugs, take you into my house, support your lifestyle so that you can take every other dollar you have in your hands and buy drugs with them. No. It's the worst thing I could do for you as a friend. Now the moment you're ready to get off drugs, the minute you're ready to change and get clean and straighten out, absolutely, you can move in the next day. I will absolutely help you do the right thing. I will not cheer you on and collaborate with you as you do the wrong thing. And I'm just gonna tell you guys, friendship is never, never, never measured by support. It's measured by did I tell you what you needed to hear? Did I love you enough to risk our friendship to let you know what you needed to know, to nudge you, my friend, in the direction of the cross. matter of fact, uh, grab your Bibles real quick. Uh, go with me to the book of Proverbs. And if you're not real familiar, if you go to the middle of your Bible, you're probably running into the book of Psalms. Proverbs is going to be just a little bit to the right. Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. And again, if you find the book of Psalms, go right just a little bit. You're going to find this passage. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. Wisest man in the world. Here's what he says about this issue within friendship. You ready? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And I don't know about you. I read that and I go, that's the dumbest verse in the Bible. I Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Who likes being rebuked publicly? Who likes being in a crowd and having someone go, wow, that was really dumb. You were horrible at that. I mean, that's just, that's just painful, right? I mean, we would avoid that at all costs. And yet scripture says, better, it's not saying it's the right thing to do, it's just saying it's better that you would get rebuked, that someone would stand up to you in the moment you were getting ready to make a horrible decision in your life and say, don't do it. Wait, 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 what you just did, don't do it again. Better is open rebuke than hidden love, th- than someone who loves you but just never says it. it- it's getting a secret admirer letter. I love you. You, do- you don't know who I am. Do you love me? Mark the box. <laughs> and he says, look, look, look. better, better, th- ready for this? Better that you would say something to your friend, even if it was at the worst possible moment and and it it wasn't received well, better as open rebuke, than that you would love somebody and not let them know. Go silent. See, I'm just going to tell you the one way I think you and I hide our love as friends is that you and I see critical moments in the life of our friend and we know in our heart somebody ought to say something Somebody ought to find a moment for a cup of coffee, but not me. And you and I have hidden love. Silent love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love, and wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. He says, "Look, here here's the deal. When you have a friend that comes to you and says the hard thing, and and it it probably hurts in the moment. There'll be a moment you go, I don't even know if I want you as a friend anymore because you said that to me. But he says, look, reconsider in that moment because here's the deal. What does your friend have to gain by telling you the hard thing? The truth is, the only reason they're saying this is they love you so much, they're willing to risk their friendship to tell you what you need to know. Wounds from a friend... Can be trusted, and by the time your friend comes to you and says, "Look, I, I know you may not be my friend after I tell you this, and I, I know you may not like me for a while after we have this conversation, but I love you." You ready? I love you more than I love our friendship, and I'm willing to risk our friendship for your sake. But an enemy, you ready? An enemy tells you what you want to hear, and enemy says, "Oh, dude, you know what? You're right. Your marriage really, really does stink." You deserve it. You deserve to go do that. No, 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 you know what? That employer's been unfair to you, and if you're taking a little bit under the table, who, I mean, he just, des- you deserve a raise. And an enemy tells you what you want to hear. They multiply kisses. A couple years back, I'm, I was watching a friend of mine, and he started dating um, a young lady, and, uh, it was almost instant. I mean, almost from the beginning, you could just tell that they really, really felt deeply drawn, and I would even say probably in love with each other. The part that was the struggle was she did not like anything about him. A- and from day one, uh, she went on a campaign to fix my friend. We'll just call my friend Jeff. Uh, and, and so she, she, she went on a campaign to just kind of remold Jeff into a different guy. It was kind of like, you know what, you would be a really, really great guy if you were totally different. And, and so uh, she, they, they were constantly having these meetings where she would say, look, you know, you got to change this and you got to do this. And here was the ironic part about it. Everything that she hated about Jeff was what all the rest of his friends loved and enjoyed about Jeff. And the problem was that Jeff, because he loved her, was trying to fit into her mold. He was trying to change who God had created him to be, to be this other man that she wanted him to be. And I remember in the moment going, someone, someone better say something to Jeff. I mean, this is, this is moving toward marriage pretty quick. This could get ugly uh, before it's all said and done. And I, and I started looking around, and nobody was saying anything to him. And I'm just going to tell you, honestly, I had a bunch of, I went, look, he's got about eight friends that are closer to him than me. He's got about eight people who ought to go have this conversation before I, he's going to feel like I'm intruding and that I'm snooping into his life, but someone's got to say something. And finally, finally, I said, I I guess it's me. Here's why I knew I had to. Back the clock up about 20 years, I had two other friends, Tim and Lisa. And when Tim and Lisa started dating, I mean, the physical chemistry between these two was crazy. I mean, they, they were physically attracted to each other like sparks. They were in the room and it was like all, all over each other all the time. I mean, just a little scary. But here was the other part of it. As as deeply as physically attracted and and as much sexual drive as was going on in that relationship, they fought just as passionately. And they would get in fights where they would say vile, vicious, wounding things to each other. I mean, just devastating each other. Just mean. And then they'd get to the end of the fight and... And all of their friends, all of Tim and Lisa's friends, knew this is this is headed this is headed to bad. And we all went silent. We all looked at each other and said, "Are you gonna?" I can't say anything. Are you gonna? No, I can't. And in our silence, we were lousy friends. And we watched. We watched as they walked down the aisle and got married. We watched as their marriage went into absolute chaos. We watched as they went to divorce. We watched as their children were devastated. And all the while, we had said nothing. So now you ratchet me forward 20 years. And I said, I know. I just, I, even if I lose my friendship, I have to say something. And so I went to my friend Jeff, and I said, look, dude, I may not even be the right guy to say this to you. I just don't get it. I don't understand you and her, and it's not that she's bad, it's not that, you know, it's just, I don't get you guys together. She doesn't seem to like you for who you are. And, And the irony is, what she doesn't like, everybody else loves about you. And it just looks like such a horrible pairing. And he looked at me in utter shock. I said, has nobody else said this to you? And he said, no, no one, no one at all. And I said, here's the deal, look, I get it. I get I'm saying a big thing, and would you do this? Would you go ask your parents what they think about this relationship? Would you go ask two or three of your most trusted friends who you know love you, and just sit them down over a cup of coffee and say, look, here's the deal. Someone's kind of challenged and asked about my relationship with this girl and whether or not it's healthy or not. I'm gonna give you a free card and you can just speak the truth to me. Say to me whatever you have to say. And here's what I gotta give my friend credit for, Jeff. He actually went to his parents and he actually went to his friends and said, look, I'm just gonna give you a free pass. Say to me what you have to say. And suddenly all of his friends and his parents begin to say, this is, this is just one of the most unhealthy relationships we've ever seen. We are terrified for your future. And my friend, and I gotta give him credit for it, is that it was hard to hear and it took him a couple months, but he ended up breaking up. You want to hear the cool part of the story? The next girl he dated, he married. And she was the most remarkable woman for him. I mean, when you see those two together, you smile. You just go, oh, they couldn't be better for you. They walk in the room, and I say to myself, thank you, thank you, thank you, that I said something. Because this could be so different. And guys, I'm just telling you, one of the most powerful things you do in a friendship is risk the friendship. It, it's when you go to your friend and you say, look, I know something that, that you need to know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this out loud. Now, here's, let, let me give you some help as you go to do this. You've got to look for teachable moments. Have you figured, you figured out saying the right thing at the wrong time can be really bad? You know that, right? Right? How many of you are in here that the minute you discover something's wrong or you see something, you have to immediately just go emotionally vomit all over everybody and tell them? Anybody like that? I'm like this. I'll be watching TV and I'll go, that's wrong. I need to write those guys a letter. Anybody else? Come on. Someone, someone in this room's like like, all right. There's oh, There you go. Because see, some of us, here, here's why we mess this up. Some of us go way, way too early. I mean, here's what we think. We think, just because I know it, I have to tell you today. Some of us say, I know it, but I'm too afraid to ever tell you it. And both of them are really bad for friends. And I'm just going to suggest to you that one of the things you and I have to do, especially when we're delivering tough information, is you look for teachable moments. And teachable moments are most often going to come when hearts are quiet You're probably going to be in a car together. You're going to be sitting across a table at a cup of coffee. And you're probably not going to be in front of a crowd of friends. And you're just going to to ask the Dr. Phil question. How's that working for you? (laughs) And when do you sense that your friend's heart's a little bit soft and a little bit receptive? And guys, I'm just going to suggest to you that one of the things that a good friend does is they pray for teachable moments. That You say to God, God, look, I know if I say this too early, It's not gonna be received. I know if I say it too late, the damage will already have been done. So God help me to see the teachable moment in my friend's life. And when that moment comes, give me the courage to say the hard thing, to spur my friend into doing what's right. So here's, here's my question to you today. As you sit in this room, do you have a friend that you know something that they need to know that as you look in their life and you go, man, somebody, somebody ought to say something. And can I just suggest that somebody might just be you. And that if you run silent, you're not much of a friend. And would you begin to pray for teachable moments? Here's here's another question. Is there anybody who can say the hard thing to you? Do you have friends gathered around you who know that you know they're your friend and it's okay for them to come and say the hard thing even if you disagree? How many of you remember Richard Nixon? Okay, three of us are old farts. Okay, all right. So for the, for the rest of us, because we're all children, um, Richard Nixon, President of the United States, is running for his second term in 1972. Uh, I believe he's running against Hubert Humphrey, am I right? Yes? No? Nobody knows because you're all children. Okay. Uh, he's running against Hubert Humphrey. He's going to win by a landslide. He is, he's going he's, he's to win by more than double digits in the polls. But Richard Nixon is an incredibly insecure man. And so he has spent his first term as president cleaning his cabinet of anybody who says anything to him that he doesn't like. So the moment you said to Richard Nixon, hey, uh, maybe that's not a good plan, or maybe we should reconsider it, you were immediately fired. You were off the, cat. you were no longer in the inner circle. You were gone. So by the time 1972 and the election and campaign come around, the only people that Richard Nixon has around him are yes men. People who will support him, no matter how stupid or how dumb what he's doing is. And so they come to the campaign, and despite the fact that he is winning by a landslide, in his insecurity, he decides, I need to know what's going on in the Democratic campaign headquarters. And so he decides to authorize a burglary to go in and rob their strategy out of the headquarters. And his friends, because they're all yes men, go, That's the best plan we ever heard. That's what you ought to do. Because he had so alienated himself from anybody who would have said, Wait a minute. You're winning by a landslide. There's absolutely no reason to do this. We're long gone from Richard Nixon's life. And what became known as the Watergate break-in ultimately led to his resignation and almost impeachment as a president. So I'm just going to ask you, is there anyone who's allowed to say the hard thing to you and you don't respond with anger and defensiveness and they don't lose their friendship over it because you know in your heart what your friend's really doing is nudging you, spurring you to the cross. And if you don't, I'm just gonna suggest you need to make room for better friends. There's a second thing. So not, not only is this saying the hard thing, which I get is hard. It's not just saying the hard thing. Sometimes it's saying the encouraging thing. It's saying the right thing in the moment to say, look, no, 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 you're better than that, and you can do that if you would try, and go after it. I mean, don't let this moment pass you by. Let's go back to the passage. It's, remember, Hebrews chapter 10, so almost at the back of our Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll just start over again in verse 24. Here's what it says, you ready? Let us consider, let us strategize how we may spur, push one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of. What you get meeting together is simply the church. And I'm just going to suggest to you, if some of your best friends are not part of the church, then you have not engaged in the church yet. You haven't committed to the church yet. Because some of your best friends ought to be in this place, and you are missing community. Let us not give up the meeting together, as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And guys, you get, encourage means to fill with courage, in the same way that discourage means to remove courage from a person's heart. And he says, look, there's a moment in which you and I simply need to get behind our friend and say, look, no, 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 Go don't hesitate. It's the right thing to do. You can do it. God's positioned you for it. Go. And it's words of just encouragement and praise. And sometimes just to say, that was amazing. I am so proud of what you just did, that it was remarkable. Why do we not do this? Why why do dads not tell this to their sons? Why, Why do we miss this moment to speak into the lives of our friends and say, wow, I just, I just saw God use you in a powerful way. That was remarkable. You know what I think part of it is? I think part of it is we think if, if we actually told them they did a good job, then they just quit. You know, if I told my son you, you were really good at that, or if I told my daughter, wow, that was amazing, or if I told my wife, wow, you are such a great wife, she might stop where she is. And I was kind of hoping for more. And guys... You're right, there are some people who'd stop. But can I tell you that for every person who would stop because you praised them, there's nine out of every 10 who would try to do it better next time, that actually would create within their heart an appetite for more encouragement from you. And I'm just gonna suggest to you that there are friends and there are family members who God has positioned around your life who are starving to hear your encouragement and the power of your words in their lives would literally nudge them and push them to the cross matter of fact there, there's a passage and you don't have to turn there it's in proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 you may want to look at it sometime. it just simply says this a word aptly spoken which just simply means a, the right word in the right moment Okay, so the right word in the right moment in someone's life is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And you go, that's weird. That, apples of gold in pictures of silver. No, no, no. It's a decoration. It's a decoration. Say so you no, know, there was these apples and they were probably gold plated and they were in kind of a silver bowl. And, 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 but here's the deal. Most houses could never afford that decoration. That by the time you walked into a house and saw that it was a statement piece, it was it was magnificent. And you get what the passage is saying. When you and I say the right word at just the right moment in our friend's life, it's magnificent. What it does is so remarkably powerful. And if you and I understood that, we would be much freer with our encouragement. Because we'd realize that it was nudging our friend to the cross. I've got a friend. His name is Bill Bush. And some of you heard me tell stories about him. Bill is actually the pastor uh, at Rock Point Church, which, by the way, this morning is grand opening their new building so it's just a cool day and you guys can pray that they just have a killer killer day over there but bill uh ended up being t- his arm got twisted by a different friend not me uh to coach a junior high boys baseball team my friend bill uh played baseball all through high school all through college and so this friend did Levers and said look they need a coach would you go coach these junior high boys and finally my friend bill gives in and goes to his first day of practice here's the problem He gets to his first day of practice and looks at these boys and realizes they are bad. (laughs) They are really, really bad. He goes back for a couple more days of practice, hoping something would change. He'd see some little light at the end of the tunnel. They get worse. It's just horrifying. So finally, on about the fourth day of practice, he huddles all these junior high boys together. And he says, "Um, hey guys, uh, we're not very good. All the mothers and dads are standing around going this is a bad talk, uh, this, is, this is not what you're supposed to say, and he goes, no, no, guys, I'm just going to tell you, I'll be honest with you, um, in the league that we're in, we're going to probably get outplayed all season long, and, and I just want to tell you that we're probably going to have a whole bunch of really, really rough games, and, and the scoreboard uh, is not going to look really good, uh, probably for most of this season, so he said, here's what I want to encourage us to do. What if, what if we just simply say, look, this is not about the scoreboard. It's about us getting better. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you that every single game that we play this year, you play your hardest, and I'm going to ask you to get better every single game. That's, that's how we're going to measure success this season, and not by what's on the scoreboard, because that's probably not going to be very pretty. Okay. And then he began to tell him this story. He said uh, he actually pulled out this piece of grape shot. Uh, in case you don't know, grape shot is what they used to shoot out of uh, cannons uh, during the Revolutionary War. And he said, hey, guys, this is this is British grape shot that came from Fort Ticonderoga. And the reason that we know it's British grape shot is because the Americans didn't have grape shot. The Americans were stuffing their cannons full of spoons and pieces of metal because that's all they had. The British were the ones that were well-equipped and they had all the things they needed, all the supplies. So we know this is British Grape Shot. And he said, look, here's the deal. You and I are gonna go up and play against teams this, this whole season that are better equipped, they're, they're, they're stronger than us, they're, they're more capable players than us, but here's the interesting thing that happened in the American Revolution. Every time the Americans went out to fight, they knew they were overmatched, they knew they were outgunned, and they simply went and said, we're gonna go do our very, very best today in battle, and we're gonna to try to be better than we were last time in battle. And a matter of fact, as the Americans were preparing for war, the French came over to train the Americans. Problem being, there's a language barrier. And so, uh, as they were trying to train the Americans, they, they didn't know how to tell them, you're doing it right. So the French began, every time an American soldier did what he was supposed to do in training, said, hoorah! And then the American soldier knew they did it right. This became the Americans' battle cry during the revolution. And as the Americans would go to battle with the British, at the beginning of the battle, they would get together and cheer, hoorah, which was their way of saying, we know we're outgunned, we know we're, but we're simply going to go do our best, and we're going to do better than we did last time. And he said, you know, the irony is, they did that over and over and over again. They ended up winning the revolution. So here's what we're going to do, guys. Every game, we're going to start the game by saying, hoorah, together. And we're not going to worry about the scoreboard. We're just going to go out on the field. We're going to do our best, and we're going to be better than we were last time. During that season, every single game, Bill's team got run-ruled. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's also the mercy rule, which simply means this. Uh, You are playing so bad. (laughs) The other team is beating you to the level of embarrassment. And rather than letting this go on, the ref calls mercy. (laughs) Let's just call it done, okay? It's it's over. It's mercy rule. But here's what Bill said. He said, here's the the thing. All through the season, and although every single game we got mercy rule, you could tell the kids were playing with all their hearts. And you could tell they were all getting just a little bit better each game. He Said last game of the season, we actually played the team we played the first game of the season that had absolutely devastated us. And he said, I I prayed. I said, dear Jesus, could today be the day we don't get mercy ruled? I mean, this would just be such a huge win for my boys. I mean, they've been getting better all year, but I mean, that would be like the statement. If we could just hang in there for the whole game and not get mercy ruled out of the game, then our boys would at least have something to build on next year. They'd, They'd know that they had gotten better this year. Amen. They played the game. Mercy rule. On the other team, and when those boys, (laughs) and when those boys ran off the field, guess what they yelled? Hoorah! And guys, I'm just telling you. Sometimes the most powerful thing that you and I do in the life of our friends is tell them the truth. (laughs) You're not very good. (laughs) But what if? What if we simply did our best? And what if, what, if, what if we just got better every game? And I'm just going to tell you guys, there's, there are people in your life right now that a simple word of encouragement, you simply going and saying, God, look, here, I just, I just want to encourage you to do what's right. And I know your marriage is failing. Would you just do what's right? I, I know your finances are blown out of the... Would you simply in this moment do what honors God with your finances? Could I... Could I just encourage you to do that? And a word aptly spoken, the right word in the right moment, is spectacular. So here's my question. Anybody in your life that you know something that they need to know, and you need to begin today praying for a teachable moment, you need to say, God, look, I can't say this too soon, but I surely can't see it too late, so will you, will you help me see that moment when it's right, when my friend is pliable and available, and then God give me the courage to even risk my friendship to say the hard thing to my friend. Would you leave this place today and say, so you know what, I know there's people that God has put in my life that need to hear me bless them with my words. They, they need to hear me say, God can still use you, and as bad as things are right now, you could still do the right thing and I need to speak encouragement into their lives. And what if, guys, 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 what if? What if you and I did that really well for a week? What if every single day this, day, this week, you and I walked into our, through our lives with spiritualize and said, God, help me see the people I need to say, maybe even the hard thing to help me to see clearly the people who need me to speak encouragement in their lives. You know what I'm guessing? For this week, you and I would be the best friends in their lives. What if we do this for a week? Let's pray. I'm just going to ask you before we actually pray with your heads bowed to ask God and say, God, would you just right now even bring to my mind who are people in my life that I've hesitated to say the hard thing? Or maybe I've already just blown them up because I said the hard thing too quick. And I said it with too much bite. And, I, and I, just, I just spewed the truth all over him in the worst possible moment ever. And I'm just gonna ask, God, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me through spiritual eyes to see teachable moments in the life of my friend this week? And maybe, maybe I could even go back and reclaim the moment. Maybe I could have a second try at this. Or to say, God, who is it? who is it? that needs a word of encouragement from me? Is it my son, is it my daughter, is it my spouse? Is it my coworker? Is there someone who just needs me to say, you could do do the right thing? I know life is hard right now. I know know the scoreboard looks really bad, but you could do the right thing. And they need me to speak encouragement to their lives. Or even just to say, I've been watching you and you've been doing the right thing and I'm so proud of you. And if God brings faces to your mind, Would you go do something about it this week? Dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come to the moment and we're just going to ask you to do something in us. This isn't about making our friends better. This is about making us better friends. And God, would you just give us the privilege this week of being the best friend our friends have. Help us to say the hard thing. Help us to say the encouraging thing. Help us to push our friends a little closer to the cross and this we pray in Jesus name